This is the Right Now Podcast with Sarah Werner. Episode 120, Rejection and Resilience with Sherilyn Kenyon. Welcome to Right Now, the podcast that helps all writers, aspiring professional and otherwise, to find the time, energy, and courage you need to pursue your passion and write. I'm your host, Sarah Werner, and if you've been listening to this show for a while, you may remember back in the day when I used to do Coffee Breaks. So Coffee Break was a sort of sister spin-off podcast that I shared on this RSS feed. And so if you go back into the archives of the Right Now podcast, I've left a few sort of sprinkled in there, conversations that I thought were especially helpful or conversations with people who I thought that you might appreciate hearing from. (laughs) Sorry, Midori is here, and I'm trying to keep her from snuggling too hard with the microphone. But I stopped doing these coffee breaks for a number of reasons. And I think I've talked about that before on this show. But I had had one interview that I never aired. It was an interview that I did in 2018 with author Sherilyn Kenyon. Yes, that Sherilyn Kenyon, best-selling author of more than 60 books, including the very well-known Dark Hunter series. I was initially really ecstatic to do this interview with Sherilyn, or as she invited me to call her, Sherry, because I had grown up in libraries. I had grown up not only hanging out in libraries, but working in libraries where I would routinely shelve her books. And she was just one of those authors who I thought, wow, I would love for this to be me one day. So when in 2018, she was doing a sort of, you know, press circuit to promote her new book, her PR folks got in touch with me as they probably got in touch with a lot of podcast creators during that time and asked if I would like to interview her. And I said, oh my gosh, yes. So the interview went really well. As you'll hear, it was just really delightful. We talk about a lot of really important things, and I'm really excited to share this with you today. Midori? Can you hear her purring? (laughs) So anyway, I don't really have much else to say, except that I think you're really going to enjoy this interview with Sherilyn Kenyon. She talks about her writing journey, how she started submitting stories at the age of 14, and got tons of rejections. I especially love what she has to say about rejection and resilience. And so I am, well, for many reasons, I'm excited to share this episode with you. So let's get started. Hey friends, I'm back again this week and I have with me a special treat for you. I have with me today author Sherilyn Kenyon, who is the author of a lot of very, very amazing books and I'm actually really excited that she's here to speak with you today. Uh, Sherry, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much. It's so fun to come out and, you know, get to visit. Yay. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So um, you, you are a writer with a capital W. That is how I think of you. I, you know, grew up working in libraries and shelving your books. And it's just, uh, just a really cool experience to get to speak with you. I would love if you would just share a little bit about your writing journey with our audience today. That would, I think, kick things off really well. Oh, God, that takes forever. Uh, It was a long journey. Started out across the 
you know, river. My, my boat sank a few times. I, I had to, you know, I had a ton cup. I had to sit there and bail. And it, 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 it yeah, it's horrible. Horrible. Don't do this. I've got two sons going to be writers. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Why would you do this? Don't be a doctor. Why? Why would you do this? You've seen what it's like. There are easier ways to go be a door greeter. It's much easier. People actually like you. Why? Why? Well, you must like, you must, you must find some fulfillment in it, right? I'm insane. But you know. No, I love it. No, yeah, yeah, I do. No, I, and I have so many friends who love it. And I get to work in my pajamas. You can't beat that. Of course, I scare FedEx drivers, which is even more fun. So, <laughs> And I have to apologize. But I swear I have a job. I'm not homeless. You see, I have a home. You come to the, and bring me presents. So <laughs> you are here at my home right now. I know, yeah. I know I look homeless, but really I do have a house. And Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to even wear, you know, get people come to the door for Halloween and I'm already in costume. I look like a scary person. I I'm a writer. Like a <laughs> <laughs> All right. They can't tell the difference. Me or Jason, they don't know. <laughs> My journey as a writer. Well, it began when I was in the womb. Um, yeah. I, I started when I was a little kid with, with crayons. In all seriousness. Uh, I used to write... Uh, what do you call them? Comics. When I was oh, yeah. very tiny, I'd, I would draw them out, and then I'd tell my mom stories about the people on the paper. My mother'd be like, "Okay, my childhood's so strange. I don't know what to do with her." <laughs> and when I was in kindergarten, first grade, I I would sit in the back of the class and be doodling. And then as I got older, I realized, hey, I could still do this and make up stories. And they thought I was taking notes in class, so it was really cool. I could daydream, and my teachers left me alone. Oh, I love it. That's like really right? the that's that's the goal right there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Look how booty as she is. It's like, yeah, right. <laughs> so you've been writing since a very early age, and I love the the sense of vibrancy and humor you have about it. Like that's so that's so lovely and delightful. Uh where did it where did it go from there? Where did it take you or where did you take it? It sounds really easy. And it should have been, you know, in theory, because I'm a writer and in, in your head you have these grandiose plans, but you know, I was the editor for my school paper. You know, I, I worked on the yearbook. Anything I could, I was a junkie, you know. <laughs> um, I, I made my first professional sell at age 14 in a magazine. But, and I thought, hey, I'm going to do this. And I, you know, I saved up my babysitting money, and I had subscription for Writer's Digest magazine. But I was a freelance writer. But unfortunately, you, know, you get paid a penny a word. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's gone up. I think it's like 10 cents now. <laughs> oh, yep, yep. But, that's, that's, yep. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's gone up a lot over the years, but, and I sold my first book for a whopping $500, <laughs> but it took a lot of years, you know, no, it, a lot of rejections. I think my going rate was for every, what, 50 stories, I sub- no, I don't even think it was that good, for every 1,500 stories I submitted, I sold one, I don't think it was that bad, it was somewhere between 50 and 1,500, oh I would gosh. sell one, <laughs> you know. Some days it felt like more than that. Some days, you know, but you always have to keep that cycle going. I submitted from the time I was 14 until, you know, now. But, yeah, I sold my first novel when I was 24. But I I made pretty good income. You know, when I was in high school, I was making $4,000 a year. What? uh, Working part-time in writing. Yeah, no, no, yeah, really. Wow. I I was the prolific little booger spot. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no. When I tell people, I actually was a writer as a teenager. 
I'm not joking. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. So many people say I need to wait to be a writer or I need to, um, I, I need permission or I need this thing to happen before I can be a writer. But it sounds like you just kind of went for it. Well, I didn't on the novels, which I kicked my, I mean, I wrote the novels, but I really didn't start, <laughs> this sounds that I didn't start really submitting them until I was in my late teens, my early 20s. <laughs> but I wish somebody had grabbed me and said S.C. Hinton was 14 with The Outsiders which is what I do when I talk to school kids. It's like, you know, she didn't wait mm-hmm. because everybody did that to me. And I, you know, I had my first novel. I wrote when I was eight years old and yeah, it sucked. I, honestly, it did <laughs> suck. But the, the novel that came out born of night, if you have the one that was published in 1996, it sucks. I'm going to say that, but I, that's the book I wrote at 18. Wow. So if you've actually read the original version of it, you are reading my work at 18. So, yeah, that, that, that's the raw material. And it actually, through an accident, is the raw version of what I did at 18. That's what was published in 1996. Wow. So, yeah, and when you're reading Night Pleasures, you're reading what I wrote. Oh, gosh, what was I, 21, when that was drafted? So you're looking at 21, 22, yeah. You're looking at stuff that I wrote very, very early on. So. You know, can I do better now? I like to think I can. But, you know, when I'm looking at young students, it is. It's like, don't be afraid. And when I'm looking at my son, because he does that now. I need a better voice. You're 24, kid. You're okay. You're great. You know, will you be better at 30? Well, that's what we all endeavor for. But be fearless. Don't let anything stop you. I mean, you, part of being a human being is to always strive for betterment. But don't let anything hold you back. Keep going. Submit. I mean, all they're going to do is say no. It's not like they're going to take you, take out rocks and start stoning you. I hope. <laughs> oh, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> That's my fear. You know, that is my fear. But yeah, really, a rejection's a rejection. I've got plenty for everybody. So I'm living proof of rejection will not kill you. It's just going to hurt your ego, you know. But what are we all so afraid of? Gosh, that's such an excellent yeah. question. Like, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, aside from the stoning. Well, yeah, you know, like it's a, the bruises today. And one of the, my son, Josh, my youngest son, who, who was having an existentialistic crisis about writing, and he had a movie, will reject me. And I dragged him upstairs. And I have a file folder, which I used for one of my speeches. And in it, it's from 1996. And at that point, I had two babies. And I had had six bestsellers. And 96 is in the hiatus between the four and a half years where I could not sell Alto to a dog kennel. Hmm. And in it, in that one year alone, is over 150 rejections oh in gosh. one year. So how do you come and back it, from that? Oh, sorry. But uh, no, I mean, you know, like I said, how do you come back that? You, you know, and in it, it's bar none the worst rejection I ever got, which is hilarious because in it, and I always tell writers, if you get a worse one, dinner's on me. No one at this publishing house will ever be interested in developing this author. Do not submit her work to us again. What? Oh, yeah. It was sent to my agent, and it cost me that agent. Wow. Oh, yeah. I looked at my son and said, if it's worse than this one, kid. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. How do you recover from something like that? How, so, you know, you, you talked about, like, it doesn't really damage anything except your ego. But, you know, some of us writers have very fragile egos. How do we how do we deal with that? And then how do we bounce back from it? I went on to write for that publisher and that editor. 
Are you serious? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. You keep that in mind. <laughs> I love it. You play this back every time you think of that. How do you bounce backward? You know, I guess I look at it this way. My older brother said it best. We're all fed. Ain't nobody dead. It's a damn good day. You know, mm. I, people bounce back from things a whole lot worse than a rejection. Mm. Rejection don't hurt. Mm -hmm. I, it hurts, but no, I, I'm not sending, you know, my mother had to bury her son. Mm. I'm not sending over my child's grave. It's okay. Mm. A rejection is an easy thing to bounce back from. In the grand scheme of things, I was told to pick out funeral clothes twice for my child. I can handle a rejection, mm. you know? Thank you for saying that. That's so, really powerful. Wow. But, it, you know, it is the truth. You know, I, I was homeless with a baby. The rejections aren't so bad, you know? <laughs> I can handle that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So so all of this, we're, we're still talking a little bit about your, your writing journey, and there's just, there's so much here to explore. You were, you were writing from a very young age. You were, you were getting paid to write. You were publishing. Um, what else were you doing during this time? Were you working other jobs as well, or were you supporting oh, yourself not, fully? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Oh, uh, yeah. What did I not do? I, I dug ditches. I was a DJ. I was a very bad waitress. <laughs> and all you people, I dropped food on. I am so sorry. I know I suck. <laughs> I, I did. I, waitressing was not my gift. And yeah, I, I respect the heck out of all waitresses because I am not a good one. Yeah, I did a lot of retail. I worked in bookstores. I taught. Uh, yeah, I did all kinds of things. I taught computers, which is its own level of hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you said you were in IT for 20 years too. Yeah. The computers hate me. <laughs> they talk back. They're horrible. Computers don't like me at all. <laughs> yeah. If I go to hell, that's going to be hell. It will be me walking into a room full of computers and them going, TP. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Which one of those were maybe best for your writing? I mean, did you find that, oh, I did my best writing while I was here or here or in this position or anything like that? Uh, probably, well, working the DOD, actually. Uh, probably, only because they gave me a lot of time to do it. Mm. We, had, we, we would work in very concentrated periods, and then we'd have a lot of downtime. And they were really good to be like, yeah, we got nothing to do, go write. And they were very, very, you know, they'd go bowl and I'd write, and they, they were fine with that. Huh. So that, in terms of that, they were very respectful. Um, and I could do it and not have to worry about looking over my shoulder going, am I going to get in trouble for this? <laughs> the rest of the jobs is always like, am I going to get in trouble? Where, where are they? Okay, it's good. It's good. But, I, I identify with that. DJ, but, Right. But DJ was a little harder because it was back in the days before the radio stations were animated. We actually had to queue up the albums and I had a punk show, which you rotten punk people. Your songs are only like 30 seconds long. <laughs> and our bathroom was downstairs, so you never could use the bathroom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm convinced that is why Stairway to Heaven became famous, was you needed a bathroom break. Yes. Oh my and gosh. same thing for um, Freebird. You knew when a DJ had to take a bathroom break. That's <laughs> when those songs were played. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. So, 
I, I feel like sometimes as writers, we're, we're looking for something and, and the writer's journey is sometimes a journey towards success and, you know, sometimes not. But I think along the way, we have an idea of what it is we're looking for. And for you, what was what were you looking for along this writing journey? Just to tell the characters, the character. Well, I started writing, you know, my childhood was, I wish I could say it was happy, but no. <laughs> yeah, no. And to me, it was a way because it was how I coped with my childhood. I, you know, I had no power. Hmm. And when you're trapped in a situation, you have no way out. It was how I had a voice. And it was how I dealt with the things around me because you couldn't strike out and you couldn't strike back. And so the things that happened around me, it was my voice that I didn't have. Mm. And it gave me the empowerment that I lacked. And it gave me an outcome because I didn't feel, I I had no guarantee, you know. Um, When I was 10 years old, it was one of, I I actually was going to run away from home. And I had this moment of clarity where I had gotten on my bicycle and, Gosh, I guess I went a couple of miles and it was hot. Georgia is a hot place to live. <laughs> you know? so I, was, I don't know, probably about two to three miles away from my house and I'm sweltering heat. And I, I got up to the magic market of all places and I collapsed. <laughs> and I had this moment of clarity and it's kind of, it's really not funny, but it is. So you're laying there on, on the side of the road, <sighs> panting, going, I'm dying, I'm dying. But luckily, it made me stop and think, and I said, you know, you're going, if this is how my family treats me, Mm. are strangers going to be any kinder? Mm. And, yeah, you know, you're like, oh, no, I'm screwed. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my God, this is going to be, my life sucks. And I had this moment of weird, weird clarity where, okay, no, this really is, I'm trapped. I'm trapped in a really bad situation here because you know, THS came in and didn't remove me. And for me, there really was no way out. And so I, I, in that moment, I made myself a promise. If they don't kill me before I turn 18, if I get out of this and survive it, I'm never going to let be trapped like this. I'm never going to have this again. I'm going to get out. I'm going to stay out. Hmm. And that, that's kind of where I've been the rest of my life. It's just kind of trying to stay away from, all those bad triggers of my childhood and the writing is how I've cooked with all that. Thank you for sharing that with us. That is, I, I have the feeling that that's something that a lot of listeners are going to relate to. I think a lot of us write from that place. And I love the way that you put it, that, that writing gave you a voice and it gave you some autonomy and some, some, a, a way to act and be empowered. That's just, I think why a lot of us do write. That's just, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, cause, well, one of the things, people, they either love six or they hate six. And I think that one of the reasons six resonates with them are people who come from backgrounds like mine. And what I tell the people who don't is it's not the fictional part of six that's terrifying. It's the part of six that isn't. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when you get to those parts because those are the parts that are, are truly disturbing in six because they resonate. And you know when you get to them because they're the parts that are, that leap off the page at you mm-hmm. yeah and you you know when when you get to the parts in my book that are really disturbing you know those are the real parts 
So did did that end up helping you? I mean, even later as you continued in your writing journey and you continued writing about difficult things and maybe processing some of these childhood events, were you able to find a little bit of healing in that? Always. I mean, th- that's where my writing comes from. It is extremely cathartic to me. Hmm. And it, 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 I think it's why, you know, I've been able to, you know, most of my family's gone. They did not survive our childhood. And that's always been very hard for me because, you know, you watch the people who don't get out and anybody who comes from a traumatic childhood, it, it's heartbreaking because you want better. And, and we all did, you know, you watch them when we're little, we all have the same dream, you know, little, nobody grows up wanting to go to jail. Nobody grows up wanting to die young. We all have these, you know, I want to be president and I want to be a beauty queen and to watch those dreams die the way they do. It, it's harsh. And that's why, you know, especially looking at people, I want to be a writer. Go be a writer. Go be whatever you want to be. Don't let anything stop you. Please, you know, whatever it takes. No, life's never going to be easy for anybody. Mm-hmm. But don't let it stop you. You know, even if you don't get started to your 40, don't let it stop you. Don't be your own worst enemy. Don't be your own worst critic. Just, I didn't do it today, but I've got tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I can start tomorrow. You know, tomorrow is always another first start. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. This is such a wonderful dose of perspective. It's so easy to get wrapped up in our own problems and, and in places of frustration and where we are that we kind of forget that, oh, yeah, you know, it's really not that bad. I have tomorrow, you know, I'm not in this situation or this situation that's preventing me from writing. I can do this. And maybe even that in itself is a little bit frightening when we realize that the only person in our way is ourselves. Well, and it, I mean, it is because life kicks us. I mean, my God, just when you think you're on, not even on top. No, usually it, it sucker punches you when you're down low. Hmm. I, I don't. And the one thing I've never understood are the people who get such a thick satisfaction out of kicking you when you're down. Hmm. And those are the people I really don't understand, the ones who just want to see you suffer. And and why life wants to hit you so hard when you're when you're not on your feet. And we've all been there. And mm-hmm. it's something that we all share. And we try, you know, most of us try not to show it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is. It, we all have it. And, you know, I don't understand why people can't help each other. It, it just, I, life has always baffled me that way. What would it look like if we were in a place where, um, I mean, is that kind of what you see as as maybe a, a brighter future for even the writing community? Is people lifting each other up instead of being competitive? Or what, what does that look like? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's when, like, when I do my booth, I, I try to staff my booth with other writers. Mm-hmm. You know, people, when they come to, to like the conventions that I do, I usually have um, two to three other writers in my booth at any given time. Because that, you know, not only do I want you to come buy my stuff, please come buy my stuff. I've got three kids in college, and my God, they eat like velociraptors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I always have my, my friends who are in there with me, too. And even if they're not, I still usually have their books with me. And and that's it, you know, because I want you to, to find my friends. And, and, you know, we should be supporting each other. Because one thing, I, I can't write all the time. I do try. But... You know, readers are going to read whether I'm here or not. And I can't supply every reader out there. And I know this. 
I want my friends to succeed. I want, you know, and I know I can't please every reader out there because not everybody, my stuff's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to do that because help, I used to work in bookstores. It's like, okay, well, you don't like this. How about this? Well, if you don't like that, how about this? You know, not everybody wants science fiction. Some people just want children's books or some people just want high fantasy. Some people just want dark fantasy, you know, and, and that to me when I was a bookseller, that was the neatest thing was to help somebody find their next really cool thing that they hadn't discovered yet. Hmm. And, and it, it's kind of like finding the perfect parent for the perfect orphan. Hmm. Oh, and, and, you know, that, that, yeah, right. It's like, oh, I got my baby for you. Come here, come here, come here. <laughs> well, you know, you, you said you worked in libraries, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same thing. You know, it's like, come here, come here, come here. I got a treasure for you. Come here, come here. Yes. And I love doing that. Oh, I love that too. It's one of my favorite things. And it's, in a way, it's helping people. In a way, it's entertaining people. In a way, it's helping them find something maybe they didn't even know they were looking for. And you're able to facilitate that. It's really magical. It is, right? And their face lights up. And then they come back and they're so excited. <laughs> and it's like Christmas for them. And they're like, you got more? And you're like, oh, yeah, do I have more? <laughs> behold you know <laughs> more and you it, it is it's like this great you know ta-da <laughs> it is i love it you know yeah it, it it's like magical that's why i never so don't read that this why, why are you telling me not to read that no no read you know? yes read it all yes <laughs> read it all yeah. yes so um, what about you? I mean, what do you enjoy reading? What are some of your favorite things? I know earlier you talked about uh, you have a love for characters. Um, what is it that you love to read? Everything. <laughs> yes. Super label. Yeah, really, no. You know, it doesn't matter. I, everything. Um, I love language. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, there's something great in anything I pick up. I mean, I'm never without material. You know, one of my favorite... I like really old, but my kids are like, Mom, you're so odd. But one of my favorite things that, that I always go back to is usually like Chaucer mm. or, you know, Old English. You know, I lo- I'm a huge fan of Beowulf. But in terms of, of you know, modern fiction, you know, I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan. Mm. Um, you know, I, I like pretty much any and everything. You know, Alicia Hyder's a friend of mine. So, yes, I'm going to shamelessly plug her stuff. But, you know, I think she's hilarious. And same thing with Quincy. Uh, Alan, you know, I love his stuff. He, he entertains me endlessly. So, but, you know, I'll, I'll pick up any book anywhere, anytime, and just everything's great. It's all magic. It great. is. And it's all different kinds of magic, and that's a wonderful thing. Exactly. You know, I'm glad that we're all different. It makes the world wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Do you have time for uh, one or two more questions? Sure. Oh, good. I want to ask a little bit about your writing process, just because uh, that would be, uh, it's very selfish of me to ask that, but I'm just so curious about um, what a day of writing looks like for you. Uh, It's basically booty and chair. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm up, I'm working. Every day is different. You know, my kids take priorities. So, and I've got a child in Japan. Oh, I keep saying child. My children are grown, but to me, they're little embryos still, mm-hmm. which they, mom, I'm grown, quit trying to cut my meat, but I still think of you as a little boy. But I, you know, so since I've got one child across the world now, and he's planning a wedding, so he, he actually is a man. Oh, congrats. Um, he'll call me every, 
oh, thank you. I know I got beautiful daughter coming. And uh, but he's planning a wedding, so every day he calls me. Usually excited at like two a.m. But thank God I never sleep <laughs> because if I did need sleep, I'd be in a lot of trouble. So and he'll call and he'll you know update me on things that they're doing, which is wonderful. Or he'll be talking about his book because he'll wake me up in the middle. Or if I if I ever dare to go to sleep, he'll wake me up. Okay, mom, I need character help. So then I'll plot his book for a little while. And then it's like okay, now I'm plotting my book again. So, yeah, we're making notes on his, we're making notes on mine. And, and it's weird how that works, because as I'm talking to him about his, it's like, oh, wait a minute, I know you called about mine, but now yours, but now I've got ideas on mine. Hang on a minute. <laughs> Hang on. So it's you reciprocal. Me about mine. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, Mom, wait, we're talking about mine. I'm like, no, no, I got an idea for mine. I'll be back to you in a minute. <laughs> he's like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to write something down. <laughs> yeah, so. but, uh, it's, but in terms of writing uh, i lose track of time which is kind of sad so my other child be like mom mom oh hey huh what time is it you need food don't you yes so then i have to go and see and then i come back to my chair but yeah my my other son is in here he works uh in my office with me on his laptop so oh that's cool but, yeah and you don't distract each other yeah, too no, much not really I, every now and again i'll look over there and be like oh like well he's actually asleep in here right now so <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome right yeah but and it's fun because we've always been like that you know 2 a.m ramen noodle call or 10 o'clock you know mom i need homework okay oh that's so cool i i love that you have that i love that you have that writing relationship that's what an absolutely cool thing I want to ask uh, one more question, and then I'd like to uh, uh, do a plug for your new book also. Is there a piece of writing advice that you've received that you love to pass on to other people? Uh, personally, or that I've read? Ooh, either. Oh, or, or both. Let's uh, just go with both. <laughs> okay. The best one that I ever read came from Stephen King, which was, I don't care what you call me as long as you don't call me late to dinner. <laughs> And I always love to plug that because I'm like, you know, Sue, that, that, that's great. <laughs> because I always felt like that was mine because, I, you know, being mixed genre, that was one of the hardest things I had in terms of getting published mm. was back in the 80s. Some of my favorite rejections, one of my, Marion Zimmer Bradley used to have a fantasy magazine. And I submitted one of the early Dark Hunters to her. And she, just because you got magic in this, it doesn't make it fantasy. You need to be submitting this to horror. And then I sent it to horror, and they're like, just because you've got demons in this, it doesn't make it horror. You need to put it in the fantasy. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, you guys got me so confused. I don't know where to go. And then um, the best piece of writing advice I got was actually from Kathy Maxwell, was one of my first critique group partners. And Kathy Maxwell said, always treat every contract and everything that you do like you're going to be the next biggest writer out there. Hmm. But this was years before J.K. Rowling ever published a book. So it's about a decade before J.K. Rowling published Harry Potter. So, so always kind of prepare for like unimaginable success. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, who was the big writer back then? God, it was so long ago. Janet Daly, I think. Who was the big, big, big writer? 
Oh, it's Sydney Sheldon. Mm. <laughs> that's how long ago it was. I was trying. That's why I couldn't remember. I'm like, who was she? Who was it that she said? Oh, that was yes. a long time ago. <laughs> that's okay. And, and that's excellent. That's very, very excellent advice. I would also just love to ask, you have a new book coming out. You have a lot. Well, you have a lot of books out. Tell us about uh, what's exciting, what's going on right now, what you're publishing, all of that. Uh, well, Stygian's the one that just came out. Yay, Stygian. Yay, Stygian. Uh, yes. I know. I got to play with the dark characters, which is awesome. I always, I like evil. I don't you know. <laughs> but I got to go deep into the dark side of Dark Hunter. And then the next one that's coming out is At Death's Door, which I really got to go play more with uh, the Caribbean folklore mm-hmm. than I have been doing in the past book. And mm-hmm. it was actually a lot of fun to write because you get to find out how a lot of the Dark Hunters got based in New Orleans. And you get to find how how the Malachi ended up in New Orleans. Awesome. And I'm trying not to give spoilers. So yeah. Really <laughs> <laughs> a lot happened in that death store. And how much of that is a spoiler? Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there a lot of good things happened in it. But the best part was to get to play with, yeah, I, I, one of my mother's best friends was a Gullah woman, which a lot of people don't know a lot about the Gullah culture. It's it's very different from, you know, being from Georgia. We we have a lot of interesting, different kind of like boo hags and stuff that people aren't really exposed to. So yeah, I, I get to throw a lot of light on things that I, weird things I was raised with that people generally don't know about, which is fun. Yeah. So. Very, very cool. And if people are interested in finding you online, connecting with you, purchasing all of your amazing books, what do they do and where do they go? Um, Cheryl and Kenyon, which thank you, mom. It's kind of hard to spell. Um, <laughs> I put her through 36 hours of labor. Sherilyn was her curse on me. <laughs> Queen of all shadows is easier to spell. <laughs> so Queen of all shadows.com is the easy one to get to, but Sherilyn Kenyon will get you there. Wonderful. I'll make sure that I have links to those in the show notes for today's episode. Otherwise, Sherilyn, Sherry, this has been, you are just delightful. So thank you for gracing us with your presence today. Um, You are, you're just so wonderful. Your energy is fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for letting me come out and play for a little while. It was a lot of fun. Something different. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Oh, thank you again and happy writing today. And um, please do take care of yourself. Uh, You too. You take care. Thank you for joining me today for that. I don't know. I'm going to say amazing interview. I really enjoyed talking with Sherry. She was a delight. And yes, you could hear it in my voice. I was maybe fangirling a little tiny bit, but thank you for tuning in today. Special thanks for making today's episode possible. Yes, even though I recorded it three years ago or maybe more (laughs) by the time you're listening to this. Special thanks go out to my patrons out on Patreon. Patreon is a secure third-party donation platform that allows folks like you to donate a dollar per episode, two dollars per episode, ten dollars per episode, a billion dollars per episode, whatever you feel the show is worth to you. 
You can become a patron in a couple of different ways. Namely, you can go out to sarahwerner.com, which is where you'll also find the show notes for today's episode, episode number 120. And you can scroll down in the show notes for today's episode until you see the button that says help support this podcast. You just click that button, click that link, and it will take you out to Patreon where you can sign up and make your pledge. Special extra super thanks go out today to Patreon patrons Laurie, Regina Calabrese, Evie Knight, Garrett, Leslie Duncan, Mark Bullock, Michael Beckwith, Sarah Lauzon, Sean Locke, Summer, Tiffany Joyner, Tim Shen, and Whitney Magruder. Thank you all so much for making the Right Now podcast available for free to listeners all around the globe. There's a train, but we're just going to ignore that. I would also love to hear your thoughts and comments as they pertain to today's episode. Again, please go out to the show notes for today's episode. Again, episode number 120 out at sarahwerner.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-W-E-R-N-E-R.com. And scroll down again to the bottom of the show notes, and you'll see a place where you can leave your comments, your thoughts. I think you can write a pretty sizable amount. I've gotten kind of novel length comments from people, and I really love it. So yeah, I encourage you to uh, join in the conversation. I do respond to every single comment that I get out on my website, and I would love to hear from you. So with that, this has been episode 120 of the Right Now podcast, the podcast that helps all writers, aspiring, professional, and otherwise, to find the time, energy, and courage you need to pursue your passion and write. I'm Sarah Werner, and I am really fired up to get writing today. <laughs>